want you to do something. Now, listen, this is one of the easiest places in, in America to preach because this place knows how to make a demand on the anointing that's in somebody. How I many of you know, I like to say it this way, you get what you pull for. That's why somebody behind you can leave with a miracle and you can leave wondering what happened. If you pull for it, he may not even be talking about something you need, but the spirit knows how to adjust things to where it speaks to your life. I'm honored to have my friend, my new friend here at the gate. I want you to put your hands together. Let's give a great big welcome to Pastor Tim Hall. Come on, let's welcome Tim as he comes. Come on, one more time. Give him a great big hand, would you? I'm going to give Tim the silver mic, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Bishop. Well, good morning. How are you? We've only been here a short time, but we just love this place. What a tremendous anointing, Pastor Kathy. Pastor Kathy is wonderful, isn't she? It's a, it's a private joke, but... She's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. I mean, she's just in... We were talking last night, and I said, one of the things that you're supposed to do if you're a traveling preacher and you, you want to come back, don't bother about making the pastor feel too good. Just tell his wife how good she is. Uh, you know, but it's not hard with Pastor Kathy, but she, she thinks I'm just, you know, gone overboard, really probably true no it's not true she's magnificent look at my notes they're all so fresh the ink's running off the pages something's going to happen pastor tony it's a joy to be it's it's beyond a joy it's a god thing and uh, i enjoyed meeting you at ruach and i've been especially thrilled to meet you pastor kathy i mean I have my wife Jacqueline here with me. There she is. You look fantastic. And it's a tremendous joy to be here. Musicians can have a rest because my preaching and music just don't mix. They, they don't go together. I, I'm probably the only person in the room that has no accent at all. Um, can you understand anything of what I'm saying? I mean, we don't know where we are at the moment. We flew from summer in Australia to... The United States, we came out of bushfires. Uh, we come from Planet Shakers in, um, in Melbourne. There are our kids, actually. I'm on the eldership there, and, and Sam is uh, my wife's daughter. And uh, so you probably know Planet Shakers music. That's our home church. And, and we left, and there was smoke, and that was followed by rain and floods. And it was sheer madness. And we got to Chattanooga, and we got snow. So we didn't know where we were. And then we come to Oklahoma. It seems quite normal. We haven't had a fire, we haven't had snow, we haven't had, it's just, it's beautiful. And we got out this morning, it wasn't even cold. What was that? It was, it was just mild this morning. We had a funny week. I'm 71 years of age, 71 years young. And uh, take a seat, folks. Don't stand up. It's just... Good to see you this morning, Chad. We, we had an accent off last night, didn't we? We're doing accents. We were doing gangsters and everything, weren't we? <laughs> Come to me on this day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> Say to me, Godfather, when you do this thing. 
I'm a businessman, not a murderer. And then we, what else did we do? We did the, I'm Tony Montana, but they look a prisoner from Cuba. Okay, you wanna play rough? You were doing the, the Mexican one, that was good. I was doing the Scottish one, a little wee bit of the Scottish. Oh, it's great to see you this morning. How are you doing? Oh, from South Africa, I'm telling you, it's absolutely baleka to be here. Be here. Any South Africans in the house? No, fair enough. <laughs> it's good to enjoy Jesus, isn't it? We, last week, last week, we hired a car, and uh, we call them cars, you call them cars. You talk sideways. Americans talk sideways. It's like, I'm from America. Where's America? America. We're from Australia. We just let it drop straight over. It's like, g'day. How are ya? Americans are high. <laughs> Scotsmen use their eyes. Don't even have to use words. If you're from India, it's, oh, I'll tell you what, very, very good, I'll tell you what. It's a funny world we live in, isn't it? No? Australia is a very sensible place. Sort of. It's a strange country, but we love it. We would, I've got to have to preach, but what did we watch? I was trying to tell them the story that we hired a Camaro. We couldn't get the luggage in. The back seat, we couldn't see out of the window. And my wife complained the whole time about the ride, but I was just... And she was hating it. She said, giving me whiplash. I'll never drive this thing again. But see, we had some fun. That was last week. Anyway, that's our life story. Something powerful is going to happen to you today. Something powerful is going to happen to you today. If you can dare to believe today, you'll go out of here miraculously healed and changed by the power of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is liberty. And I tell you what, the Spirit of the Lord is in this house. I was praying a lot before I came into the, to America. I like to get out in the bush. I don't know what you call the bush. You call it the woods or something. We just go out where the snakes are and fires and wild man-eating koala bears and stuff and seek God. I was out there seeking the Lord about America. And I said, Father, I need, need you to speak to me about this decade. And I understand that, Pastor, you're doing a series on the Roaring Twenties. It's a great theme. It's a great theme. I think we've entered into the most turbulent, crazy, confused, phenomenal decade that we could live in. I actually think I feel in America that right now you are under something so positive starting to happen. A few years ago, I thought, what is happening to America? I don't recognize it from the country I first started coming to in the late 80s. I was concerned a few years back, three, four, five years ago, I was concerned just at where, but I feel as though there's a climate in the spirit that is just lifting. There's a sense of optimism. There's a sense that something is about to break out like never before. Like there's a great awakening on the way. There's a move of God. 
And I, I was praying, and Father, would you anoint the word now and cause faith to explode in the house today? In Jesus' name, explode in the house with your power and presence. I was out in the bush. Gee, I'm all over the place this morning. How am I going, Jack? Is it, is it systematic? Can you follow anything? Don't look at me like that. She thinks I'm losing it. And I felt the Lord say to me, talk when you're in America about this decade, the things you're feeling for this decade, particularly for America. And I was talking to a friend before I left and he said, do you know that the Hebrews every decade have a name for the decade? There's a name. Now, I didn't know that, but I made out I did. And he said, the last decade was a decade of the eye, the decade of seeing. The last decade was a decade to see, to, to have a vision, to see ahead, to see what, what's happening and what's going on. And he said, you know what this decade is? I said, not really. He said, this is the decade of the mouth. It's the decade of the declaration. It's the decade of speaking. It's the decade of proclaiming and declaring the things that we want to see happen for the glory of God. I don't know if you've, and you probably have, probably more than me, I don't know, but have you ever really got into the Word and studied so much of the stuff just on what the Bible says about speaking and about the Word? It, it, just get into Proverbs and study everything about the impact of the mouth of the Word. Um, it, it is profound, and, it, and it's just Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. The scripture tells us in, in uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life, everything to do with death, everything to do with pestilence and disease and every other foul thing is in the power of the tongue. Everything of life, blessing, godliness, fulfillment, satisfaction, prosperity, healing, grace in the power of the tongue. And the word power is the, the word in the Hebrew for the overturned hand. I thought death and life were in the power of God, in his hand, but he says, death and life I've delegated to your mouth. We totally underestimate the power of our words. We totally underestimate my wife, is saying to me, I can pick it up in the spirit. She's saying to me, I want you to listen very carefully to what you're preaching today. I can feel that. It was a word of knowledge. Do you ever have those word of, words of knowledge? Death and life is the, in the delegated authority God has delegated into your mouth and mine. There's an interesting scripture back in the book of Second Kings where the prophet Elisha was coming up there, he'd come under the double mantle, he'd moved into the fullness of the, this mighty double anointing that was upon Elijah, was on him and he was coming up and a bunch of young boys came out and began to abuse him and they began to say to him, go up you bald head. Now apparently that was a really bad thing to say because we know today that anyone who've lost their hair and are balding, it is because of excess testosterone. The person with a shining head in front of you has that shining head because they have excess male hormone. 
I've got a little bald patch. It's coming nicely at the moment. <laughs> but they, they abused the prophet, and the prophet turned, and he spoke, and he said, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Now, he had just received a double portion of the anointing that had been upon Elijah. That anointing was so powerful, so strong, that God had delegated into the hands of Elijah. He said, I'm giving you the whole weather pattern at your word. I am delegating to you the impact to dry up the sky with your words. Elisha spoke, cursed these boys, and out of, the, out of the, the woods came two bears, big bears. We were just in bear country. I had to wrestle two grizzlies and two black bear just a couple of nights ago, she bears, and they were she bears. We were up at uh, Pigeon Forge and up in Dollywood, and a, a bear attacked me. It's not true. Out they came, two, two bears, two female bears, and attacked these boys and started killing them. And I thought, God, this is not really, if we preach this, it's not going to encourage people to come to church. <laughs> is this really your nature that the prophet speaks and you send bears to kill? And this is what I felt the Spirit of the Lord say. Perhaps, I don't know, but I wondered if Elisha might have had been a little bit full of himself with his new anointing. Maybe he was a little bit excited about himself that all the other prophets knew that he was the one that had been anointed and maybe he had a pretty good self-opinion of himself and he turned and he cursed the boys and he didn't realize the power of his own words. Do you and I understand and know the raw authority and power that's in our words? The Bible says, you shall decree a thing, speak a thing, and it will be established unto you, and the light of his glory is going to be all over that thing that you decree. I love the scripture in the book of Job that says, how forcible are right words? How powerful are right words? How impacting? How impacting are Right words and right speaking. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Where the word of a king is. Any kings here today? My Bible says, if through one man's sin death reigns, how much more death reign by one? How much more shall we, who have received the gift of righteousness, reign in life by one Christ Jesus? How does a king reign? How does a king rule? A king rules by the word of authority. A king rules by his words. This is a kingdom of power, but it's a kingdom of words. Everywhere that Jesus went, they marveled at his words. He went into the synagogue. We read in the book of Luke chapter 4. When he went into the synagogue, a demon began to scream out of a man in there. And Jesus set him free. And the Bible says they all were amazed. And they said, what word is this? What a word is this? 
For with authority he speaks, and even the demons are subject, and they come out. I said, what doctrine is this? Because he speaks with an authority. Not like the scribes and doctors of the law who knew the word so well. He speaks, and when he speaks, something happens. The disciples marveled. The Bible says they were sore afraid. They were terrified and out of their mind when he stood on the front of the boat and said to the wind and waves, which was a hurricane, the Bible says, the Greek says it was a violent tempest blast and he spoke and that wind ceased and the water went flat and they marveled, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves, nature is subject to his words. In fact, everywhere he went, his words changed something in every dimension. He operated in a dimension of faith where right from the day that the word was spoken concerning this earth, the Spirit of God brooded upon the earth. Nothing happened until the word was spoken. And Jesus, moving under the might of the anointing and the power and the fullness of who he was and who he is, when he spoke his very first miracle, he spoke and water became wine. They took his word. They believed his word. And the, and the, molecular, the molecular structure of water, suddenly there were carbon atoms and electrons and neutrons. And suddenly at his word, the molecular structure, the very first miracle he did, he showed that by his word, the molecular structure on which everything on this planet is built is subject this building is here that once didn't exist, but it's come here because of words, followed by actions. Actions follow the words. Faith without an accompanying action is dead, James said, being itself alone. Words everywhere Jesus went, he spoke. The nobleman came. And Jesus said, go home. The child's healed. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. The centurion understood the authority of his words. The centurion came to Jesus and he said, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Have you ever thought that Jesus, on the scale of the Roman Empire, the centurion was at number two in a scale of eight, and Jesus was in the bottom rung at eight. He was the lowest structure in a nation taken by the Romans. And yet a centurion came and knelt before him and called him Kurios, Lord, Sovereign Master. Death penalty would follow that. Kurios, I'm not worthy that you even come under my roof. But if you just speak in a word, I know my servant will be healed for I too, just like you. I'm set in a place of authority as a, as a centurion in the front of a, a century as part of the whole cohort, as part of the whole, uh, one of the 10 cohorts, part of that whole Roman legion, the most significant person was the centurion. The whole thing hinged on him. He, he took the commands that came down and put them into operation. They were the ones carrying the thing coming down from above and passing it on to the men. And he said, just like I understand you, 
I'm a man set in a place of authority and word comes down from there. And when, you, when I speak, these men go, this happens, the, the whole thing moves. But when you speak, the whole realm of nature responds. The whole realm, demons give way. Disease gives way when you speak. What a word is this? But you see, Jesus wants you and I to begin to understand the power that we have in the Word. Have you ever thought of the Scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that says, the Word of God is sharp and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting the fine line between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, even into the discerning of the thoughts of the human heart. The Word of God is sharp. It is incisive. It cuts. It's sharper than any blade. It's sharper than any scalpel. It's incisive. The Word of God is sharp, and it's active. It's energetic. It's working, and it's sharper, the Bible says. Think the Greek word timoteris. Cutting, sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting the fine line between soul and spirit. Have you ever looked at that scripture in the Greek language? The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. What's the word for two-edged? The word for the Greek of two-edged is distomos, dis two, stomos the mouth. The word of God is sharper than any two-mouthed sword, two-edged. The word of God is a two-edged, two-mouthed sword. When does the word of God become powerful? When one of the edges is the word coming in here and the other edge is the word going out of here. Reinhard Bonnke would, and we haven't got time to go too far, but when he did his first crusade and the evangelist left and he had to take over, God spoke to him and he said, Reinhard, my word in your mouth shall be as powerful as my word in my mouth. What a man of God, what a mighty man of God was Reinhard. My word in your mouth shall be as powerful as my word in my mouth. You see, Jesus was teaching the disciples and training them, and I think they were hopelessly slow learners, and they exasperated him. Do you remember when, when he came down from the mountain, and the, the disciples couldn't cast the devil out of this, uh, this young boy, and Jesus said, oh, perverse, twisted generation, how long do I have to put up with you? How long do I have to even be with you? You had the feeling he wasn't impressed. What is it with you guys? You've seen what to do. I've given you authority. Why are you not doing it? Jesus was teaching them about the power of the word, about the power of the spoken word. We all love the story in which uh, Kenneth E. Hogan, Hagen wrote, I think. Um, Mark 11, 23, 24. Right? Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And they came to him and said, Lord, the fig tree you spoke to is cursed, is dead from the roots. And Jesus said, have God faith. We've all heard this great faith teaching. Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. For if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, get up and move. And if you doubt, not in your heart, but you believe what you say will come to pass you will have whatsoever you say whosoever shall say he shall have whatsoever he says whosoever and whatsoever 
I love this story when Jesus stilled the storm. Great, probably the best bit of it's Matthew 4, I think, for me, but the disciples were in that boat. The boat was sinking. They went down to Jesus and they said, Master, aren't you concerned that we're going to die? And Jesus said, oh, yeah, little faith, and walked up onto the front of the boat into the hurricane. Well, I don't know if he walked up. He probably had to drag himself up into that hurricane, but he got onto the front of the boat and he pointed the direction and said, be still, and the wind stopped. And the waves went flat. And they said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves are subject to his word. Have you ever thought of the scripture in Matthew 14 where, once again, Jesus said to the disciples, we're going over. We're going over again. This is where we're going. I think they were going to Bethsaida or wherever they were going. Uh, and he said, we're going. This is, the, this is the location. Something's going to happen on this trip. But you, you take off. I've got to go and pray for a while. I'll join you. We've got something to do together on the other side. Where were they going? Were they going to the Gadarenes again? Do you remember where they were going? The location was there anyway. Jesus knew where they were going. Do you know where they are going? They're actually going to... Uh, Hong Kong. It's a, no, they're not. I made that up. I just made that up, threw that in. Probably going over to Guinea. Well, well, anyway, it was established that Jesus was going to do something. He had a plan and he said, you row ahead, I'll join you. And they were rowing. And as they were rowing, the Bible says that there came a contrary wind. That word contrary is an opposite wind. It was in their face. And they were rowing into this wind and they were getting nowhere. They were rowing with all their might and the Bible says they were wearied and the word there is torturous. They were tortured. Their hands were blistered. They were trying to get into that wind. They had a destination. They were seeing, like the last generation, they were seeing they knew where to go. Their destination was clear but they were obstructed by a wind that was in their face that was contrary. They rode and they rode into the night till they were exhausted and suddenly Jesus came walking on the water. Now there's a piece of the scripture here that I say, Jesus, this is ridiculous. You've sent them over there and it says he would have passed them by. You're joking. Jesus knew the destination. They knew the destination where they were supposed to be. They're stuck with a storm. And Jesus would have passed them by, except Peter spotted him. And the others thought he was a ghost. And if they just cringed there, he would have walked past. Jesus would have gone and got the job done without them. Or found someone else to do it well. I don't know what he would have done, but he knew the plan anyway. Peter, of course, called out and came walking on the water. They got in the boat. Immediately, they're on the other side. Immediately, they're there to fulfill the business. But Jesus would have walked past them. How often do people have the destination given to them by God? They have the destination clearly laid out. This is where I want you to go. This is what I'm going to do. Go there. But the wind of opposition comes. The antagonistic wind gets in their face. You see, Jesus was walking past, watching them. Man, I, did you, you didn't get hit then, did you? 
I just spat terribly at that poor lady, second. Brother, there's put a raincoat on. How many have had a destination? You know where to go. And the wind of opposition blows in your face. And you find yourself tired, weary, worn out. And a lot of Christians at that point give it up. It's all too hard. But Jesus was walking past, waiting for them to do something. He was waiting for someone in that boat to go, hey, hey, maybe we should do what he did. Maybe he wants us to begin to operate the God kind of faith. Maybe we need a volunteer on this boat or all of us to get up, stop rowing, Shad, and begin to declare, be still and get out of my road. Too many Christians, the wind is in their face and they're getting nowhere because they haven't learned the power and the authority that's in their words. Because they haven't learned, we have, and we're all, I, I consider myself a slow learner. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. This afternoon, she'll say, now, did you listen to the points? It was, was very good. Remember, I'll, I'll relive them today. And she'll say, Timmy, did you believe everything you preached today? Yes. Yes, dear. Opposition. Opposition is what creates something in us. It's when we confront that wind, when we confront that mountain. Have you ever thought the giant that David confronted was a gift from God? David said, this day God has given you to me. He was the biggest Christmas present wrapped up in heavy metal, armored, fierce, horrible looking creature. And David spoke and he said, who are you, the uncircumcised Philistine, that this day you would taunt the armies of the living God? This day God's given you into my hand. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to beat you up badly, kill you. Your armies destroyed the birds of the air. I'm going to eat the whole army. He brought him down with a stone, stepped up onto the giant, pulled out the sword and chopped his head off. The Bible says he stepped up onto the giant. And that step was a step from obscurity to kingship. The giant is your stepping stone to the next dimension of authority. The wind is the next step. The wind you still is the next step to your next place of triumph. The mountain you move. See, I read that we're going to speak to mountains and they're going to move, but the Bible also says he's made you a sharp threshing instrument having teeth that will thresh a mountain to powder. Who are we? The Bible says that we will declare a thing, we'll declare it, and it shall be established. This morning was a problem. It wasn't having enough material. It was trying to cut a whole lot down. You'll declare a thing and be established to you. What are we declaring? 
well, we need to declare that we're joint heirs with Christ, that, that we're one spirit with him, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has come to indwell us, that he is able to do in us exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we could ask, think, dream, imagine. We're quickened together with Christ. We're raised together with Christ. We're one spirit with him. We are seated with him far above all rule, principality, all powers, all we have power over all the power of the devil. We'll walk on snakes and scorpions and nothing of the enemy shall in any wise harm us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, says the Lord. Every tongue raised against us in judgment we shall condemn. If through one man's sin death reign, how much more shall we who have received the gift of righteousness reign as kings in life by one Christ Jesus? We're the head, not the tail. Above only, never below. Christ has actually come to indwell us by his spirit. We are filled with all, I've told that one anyway, I'll say it again, it's so good. Filled with all the fullness of God. The enemy will come against us one way and he'll flee from us seven. And I'm, my spirit is going faster than my mouth can keep up. I'm spitting profoundly. I feel like a can of fly spray. We're strengthened with mighty power by the spirit indwelling us. We have been illuminated to see the hope of our calling and the riches of our inheritance in the saints in glory. And to know the unlimited magnitude of power. Us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places far above all rule, power, dominion, and every name that is named and put all things under his feet, which is the church, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all, and you hath he quickened who were dead. Oh. You're blessed with every blessing. I'm blessed with every blessing in the spiritual places. I've lost my glasses. Did I bring them? Have I? Can you see them? Oh, there they are. But I'm reading perfectly. Thank you, brethren, today. It's lovely to come and share just a little, little snippet of the word. Hallelujah. Just a little bit of respite because I was going a bit hard there. <laughs> I am complete in him who is the head. We're growing into the full stature of Christ. I'm, I'm armed. I have on the full armor of God that I may be able to stand against the, the wiles and methods of the devil. For, we, for I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, dominions, and world rulers in the heavenly places. Therefore, Lord, I will take up the whole armor of God that I might withstand in the evil day. And then having done all to stand, standing with my loins girt about and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the, moreover the shield of faith with which we are quenching all the fiery darts. Man. That's enough. What's your conclusion? That's it. That's it. Yes, we, ha we are. Born to rule and reign. He has made us kings and priests under God, and we shall reign on the earth. Nothing shall be impossible to us. With men, this shall be impossible. With God, all things are possible. And all these things are more than a conqueror. Through Christ overwhelming conqueror. Nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Neither principalities, powers, dominions, things created, nor any created thing shall in any way separate us. Ooh, I feel like I've just had a, a holy bath. 
us to pump out of here. All those negative thoughts that come. Come like wind into your face. Our heads are bowed because I want to do something here. I've got a few minutes. Our heads are bowed. The very first thing that I want to ask you today is this. In this world that is a confused, messed up place, there's only one place of security. There's only one secure place on the whole planet. And that's where our feet planted on the rock Christ Jesus. The only place on this planet of strength and victory is in a living relationship with the Christ of eternity. And he hasn't changed. And he's teaching us to live a new life of authority and power. He's teaching us to walk in his strength. He's teaching us to walk in the miraculous. He's teaching us to operate in the divine reality of his power. But the first thing we have to do is come into relationship with him. The first thing we have to do is say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you as my Lord. I want to turn away from sin and the things that are destroying me. I want to turn away from the things that are destructive. I want to turn away from every sin I've ever committed. But I want you to cleanse me and then come into my life and give me the capacity to live a new life, a new life full of your spirit, a life knowing that I'm on my way to heaven, a life of certainty, a life that is grounded on the strength and the authority of you within me, of Christ within us, the hope of glory. And today, I want to give you that opportunity just for the next couple of minutes. I want every person in this building that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not born again, you've never invited Christ into your life, or maybe you have and you're backslidden today. Maybe you once knew him, but you've walked away. Maybe you once had a, a fantastic relationship with him, but You walked away and today you just want to come back to him. You're watching online. You may be backslidden. You may have known about him. You may have been a churchgoer, but you've never come to that living relationship where Christ himself comes to indwell you because there's a God-shaped vacuum inside every person that only a living relationship with Christ can fill. And maybe you've got that vacuum right now. and You want Christ to come into your life. As our heads about all over this place and watching online, every person here and online that would say, yes, I, I need Christ today. I need that living relationship. I want Jesus as my Savior. Wherever you are right now, would you lift your hand quickly? Just lift it up nice and high so I can see it and put it down. You're backslidden. You're away from God. You know about him, but you've never really found him. Would you lift your hand so I could see it across the building? Where are those tonight? Someone over here? God bless you. Someone there, someone there. Someone else quickly. Someone else this morning. Would you lift your hand? I've seen your hands over there. Thank you. Someone else. Someone else. Lift it nice and high so I can see it. Someone else. Is someone there? God bless you. Someone else. Someone else. Someone else. Is there someone else? Quickly. I want Jesus today. I want to go out of here knowing I'm saved. Quickly, in these last couple of minutes, would you lift your hand wherever you are? Just lift your hand. Someone else. I'm backslidden. I need to come back. I want us to do something. I want us to stand together just for a moment right now. In 30 seconds from now, if you've lifted your hand, 
30 seconds from now, I'm going to ask you just to leave your place and come and stand here for a couple of minutes. I want to pray with you. Before you do, all over the building, folk, would you turn to a friend or someone with you? They might be an enemy, I don't know, but might not even know them. But would you turn to the person right next to you and say, if you'd like to go and make that step for Jesus, I'll just go and stand with you while we pray. And just cross the building, turn and ask that person. And then everyone then that have lifted their hands and those that want to come, just come and stand here for a couple of moments. We won't embarrass you. We just want to pray for you. Would you come? Would you come right now? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep coming. That's it. Keep coming. That's it. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Keep coming. The power of God is in the house. Won't you come? 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 Is there someone else? Won't you come? God loves you, my friend. Would you come? Would you come? Is there someone else? Is there someone else? Don't put it off. How are you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you, sir. God bless you, each one. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? That's it. Anyone else? We'll give you a moment. So someone else. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for the sick in just a moment. There may be someone else here that wants to come. That's it. Keep coming. There's room for you today. That's it. Anyone else? Anyone else? Won't you come? Won't you come? Anyone else? Anyone else? Would you come? Would you come today? I'd love to pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else? That's it. That's it. Keep coming. We love you today. Just come. That's it. Just come. Let's pray a simple prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, pray it out loud with me. Today, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He died on a Roman cross to cleanse me from every sin that I've ever committed. Today, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. Cleanse me today by your precious blood. Wash me clean. Come and take residence within my life. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, bless them today. Bless them. Are they going with you, my friend? I wonder if you'd all just turn this way and go with my friend uh, who I've forgotten. Uh, yes, it is. That's it. God bless you. Then come back in. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, how many people need a miracle in their body today? How many need a miracle? Would you lift your hand? Maybe I'll get the light so I can see. Okay. I want every, every person that has problems with their back, their shoulders, their neck, I'll just deal with a few situations there. I want you just to just come down first. Would you do that? Maybe if you've got, any, how many people have got a shoulder that you can't lift, a frozen shoulder? You've got a frozen shoulder? If you've got 
situations with your spine, just want you to come. We're going to start there for a couple of minutes. What's wrong with that, sister? You have a frozen shoulder. Are you able to lift them? You just have pain, do you? You ready for that to go? Why don't you come up here for a moment? There's a breaking in 
sing, there's a breaking. There's a breaking. You're healed. In my favor. What happened? There's a shifting. Touch your toes. Touch your toes. Beautiful. Beautiful. He's healed. What's happened? Feels good. Come up this way. Hold on. There's a breaking. There's a breaking. I want you to do something Hallelujah. just for a moment. Just for a moment. Hallelujah. My Bible says that Jesus sent his word. That's in the Old Testament, so he sent his word. And he healed them. Psalm 107. See, Jesus demonstrated that there's no distance in prayer. See, I like to begin to pray and I would imagine most of these people have got a healing. And faith starts to rise when we begin to see the, the power of God flowing. You understand that, your pastor's a great man of power, so none of this is new. Some churches, they go, not here, you. It's a Holy Ghost haven and easy to preach by the way good place to preach but jesus demonstrated with the nobleman he said hey i don't have to go he, he said didn't even say i'm he said I've, your son's healed and the man believed the word that jesus had spoken centurion said you don't need to come to my house you just say in a word and I know my servant shall be healed and so Jesus said to us have the God kind of faith you know what the God kind of faith is don't you that is that I at the moment I'm just a believer because these signs will follow them that believe but he's given me the microphone so I guess it's he's telling me to speak and so the fullness of the Spirit of God indwells us. And he said, stretch forth the strong scepter of authority, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. And we are to rule over disease and sickness and depression. For example, there's someone over here that has been under a cloud for a while and there's dreams in the night that have been against you. That's going to break off your life here right now. There's several people in here that have acid reflux. You have a situation with your digestion, a lot of acid reflux. Who is that in here? There's a number of people. Who else over here? There's one there and there's one in that little clump there. That's right. And there's also someone back in over here and you have got something with your neck. Is it a, a restriction in terms of turning your neck, something along that line? Who is that? Who's that person with a neck situation somewhere back in over here? So I'm going to speak. I'm going to do three things. Number one, 
Bible says, I believe, therefore I speak. And I believe that miracles are going to happen right through the building here. Just got a few minutes. We're not, not going to prolong. It's not how long we pray. It's where our prayer comes from, how sharp and whether we receive what happens. So we're going to do three things. Number one, I'm going to just speak in his name on behalf of everybody. But you know what? When two or three agree, it's when the power happens. And so I'm going to pray, but you're going to repeat. But it's not, a, it's not going to be just a, a word asking, but it's a word declaring. How do you feel, sister? How do you feel? How is it? Move it around. That's it. That's it. It's going to be the testimonies all day. An issue of blood. We had, a, had a, a lady healed just recently. She had an issue of blood. She had always believed to have three children. Had an issue of blood that was so bad. She was in one of our crusade meetings. She came out for prayer. The doctor said, if you don't get a miracle, get the injection. You'll never have children, but it'll stop this bleeding. That's probably going to eventually be a whatever. She came to the meeting. The power of God hit her. The bleeding stopped. And I got word last week just before we left that she just had triplets. So... So there's nothing impossible. Number one, we're going to unite in prayer. Number two, we're going to shout with triumph. And number three, as we shout, I want you to move that part of your body. I want you to lift it. I want you to move it. I want you to bend it. I want you to bend your back. I want you to move your neck. I want you to test it. If you couldn't breathe properly, breathe in. If you've had asthma, if you've had lumps in your body somewhere and you can feel those lumps, just check it out. Check this thing out because people are going to get healed right through the building. This is how I pray in a mass crusade. I'm sure this is how you ministered in a mass crusade. Just like this. Just like this. Ready? In fact, if you need healing, lift your hand. Someone someone near you might put their hand on your shoulder and unite with you. You ready? Here we go. We're praying together. You repeat what I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, all power has been given in your name. All authority over every disease, every devil. And today, we come in that authority. And all over this building today, we declare your miracle power. We declare your healing power. We declare your life-giving power. We declare breakthrough, body, soul, and spirit. We declare breakthrough in our finances. We declare a new day. And we receive it. We take a miracle. We receive a miracle. I take it in my body. Take it in my mind. Take it in my emotions. I receive it. Right now. 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 Now, in the name of Jesus, give him a great shout. Hallelujah. 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 Now move it! Now move it! Now move it! 
now if you've been healed what's happened sister what happened to you what's happened what, what happened I just, bring it back bring it back here bring it back bring the lady bring it back what happened? I'm standing up straight and erect. Hey, Jackie. Come and get a pick. I'm walking straight. You're walking straight. I'm walking straight. Hang on. I'm wife. standing straight. So you're walking straight. Yes. What was, what was wrong? God told me I was diagnosed with adult degenerative scoliosis. I never heard of it. Check. Adult Check degenerative scoliosis. Check. I was diagnosed with it. it You've just got to get it on film. So, so you, hang on. I'm going to get my wife to film this. Thank you, So you had, you had a scoliosis. Adult degenerative scoliosis. So how long have you had that? It started. I didn't know what it was. I just thought I had back problems. Oh, probably my granddaughter's eight. So it started when we were walking her about eight years ago, and it got worse and worse. But today the Lord told my husband and me that he, he was going to do a miracle in our body. I forgot that. And you've had a miracle. How is it? has been healed today look at that who who else has had a miracle today would you give me a wave if you've been healed just lift your hand and give me a big wave right now a big what wow wow neck and shoulders who else who else what's happened what happened sister dancing what are you healed of knees sister behind what's happened in that sounds good whatever it was well, I'm going to hand back to Pastor. Can I say that you? What have you been healed of? What was wrong with it? You had a pain in your knee? Yes, I walk a lot at work. I walk 12 hours a day, and I'm always on my feet. Yeah. I started having pain in my knees, yeah. and this morning was really painful. But I kept moving. I thought Woo. it'll be okay. How but is it now? Right we'll have a little little dance. Yeah. A little dance and a jump. Yeah. Hallelujah! 